This is Bristol Ivy, and you're listening to Palmcast. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to Pomcast, the podcast brought to you by Pom Pom Quarterly. I'm Lydia Gluck, and I'm here, as I always am, once a month with the delightful Sophie Scott. Hello. How's it going, Sophie? Great. So, we've just been at Unravel this weekend. We have. That was good fun. It was super good fun. I think one of the things, I've said this before in podcasts, you can't underestimate the niceness of knitters in large groups. It's true. We met some... Well, we sort of saw some people that we often see at these shows and mm-hmm. it was nice to see them again and we met some new people who were also nice met you, you, you lovely listeners which is great like you yeah. came and said hi yeah so that was awesome and not only that but spring seems to be springing yes it's a, has it sprung? Not, I think it's springing mm, it's springing it's kind of like the pretense of to spring yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's on its way so that's been pretty nice although today's cold yeah, but I, like you said, I think especially this weekend, because uh, we're in Farnham, which is where the um, the festivals hold, hell, sorry, and uh, it's a little bit further outside of London, the sort of little edge of the country. Mm. When I was walking to the festival, I was sort of thinking, like, I can hear the birds and see some snowdrops and some crocuses, and there was that nice kind of little, oh, a little ray of sunshine of spring peeping through, which was really nice. Yes. But it's still, it's very cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's springing, hence mm. the uh, the continuous tense, if you will. Yeah, so what we hope is lovely wherever you are, wherever you're listening. Uh, so coming up, we've got our usual um, sections of tell and tell. We tell each other and you guys about our knitting. Uh, we've got a lovely interview with Bristol Ivy, who was at Unravel Festival, and uh, we caught up with her. Uh, what else we got? We've also got our Ravelry Realness, mm-hmm. which is always a fun one. We've got our review, um, and we'll, we have, you know, the old fave of top three mm-hmm. right at the end. But before then, we have a new segment, which we'll reveal at a later point in yeah. this podcast. We'll still have the cliffhangers for the podcast. You can yeah. Make sure you guys keep listening. <laughs> so, yeah, let's get to tell and tell. What have you been knitting at the moment? Finished anything recently? Well, I finished a pair of Fika socks from Pom Pom 12, the nice. spring issue. There's the yes. ones with little hearts. No, no, no. they're... Oh, that's Elska. Yes. Yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I finished the... Um, they're just like very kind of simple, mm-hmm. plain with the twisted rib and little kind of teeny little dart of colour near the toe. Um, so I made a pair of those and I immediately started making a second pair because um, as I was leaving for Unravel, I was very aware that I would need some... Um, Travel knitting, yeah. if you will. Essential. Or uh-huh. standing at a stall knitting. Exactly. So I thought they would be perfect. And I was right. And I've almost finished uh, sock one of two of pair two of two. Well, there we go. That's You've eradicated the second sock syndrome already. Yeah. By going on to the fourth, third sock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's good. And I've also been working on um, a tambourine cardigan mm. from spring issue the cover cardigan cover girl cover girl so mm-hmm. to speak um in a really amazing um uncommon thread dk in the color confetti which is like gray with little kind of yes. confetti sort of dots of pink and yellow and blue i got it at unwind in mm-hmm. last summer so i'm pleased to find its um final resting uh <laughs> garment yeah I was say it's getting morbid <laughs> yeah no it's supposed to be like upbeat springtime <laughs> and do you remember you buying that and being like oh this is gonna be something amazing I don't know what but it will so there you go that's the beauty of having the stash and now that's it's true it's found its potential 
Mm-hmm. How about you? So I finished the cardigan I mentioned last podcast, which was uh, Slayed by Michelle Wang, <gasps> the Brooklyn awesome. Tweed. And I had said before the recipient uh, was really eager for me to finish it. And when I did, they've worn it every day since I've knitted it. Wow. Yeah, they actually pointed it out yesterday, like not in a kind of uh, conceited way, but just to be like, this is, yeah, this was the right choice to knit this. (laughs) Oh, it's so nice to have it enjoyed so thoroughly. Yeah, yeah. And it hasn't been lost, which has been the feature of other (laughs) garments I've made this person, but... I think he's somewhat redeemed himself now that this is uh, okay. staying in place. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, much like you said, you need travelling projects. And I had planned a way to go away for the weekend of Valentine's. Mm. This, whatever, people, you know, I'm people can get cynical about this. But we sort of half-jokingly said, like, oh, let's go away. And, like, where should we go? And then we're like, let's go to Paris. This is going to be the best thing because it's... Kind of a cliche, but it was kind of fun. Um, and I was like, I want to knit socks in Paris. So anyway, but the aside to this is, didn't end up going because um, it was booked for the 14th of March. Oh dear. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know who to blame on this. There's no blame, but an error occurred. Wow. I was going to say, it must be pretty expensive to go to France over Valentine's. Yeah, which is why we th- we were really like oblivious to <laughs> the date. Because we're like, this is a great deal. Why are we the only people who thought of this? <laughs> This last minute. We're so original. I know. Like, is it because it's like a double bluff? Like, people don't think they should do it. Uh, And then they don't. And then mm. the people who do get this really cheap deal. But then it's the idiots who don't look at the date while they're doing it. (laughs) But you're going to go in March instead? So I'm going to go in March instead. And I'm going to have, like, super alternative Valentine's Day a month later. (laughs) But anyway, I'm still making the socks. So um, I'm using the Afterthought Heel pattern no toe up sock with afterthought heel by juju veil one i, I have mentioned, used yeah mm-hmm. we mentioned it on this podcast before because it's just really classic and i've never understood the beauty of socks until now uh i think it's partly because of the yarn i chose which is madeline tosh sock holy festival Amazing. which is all the colors like in a speckly kind of thing yeah um and I, we would <laughs> that weekend i just ended up missing them and i was kept showing them like this tiny inch of the color i'm like look how it's developing look how it's developing <laughs> i think yeah Speckly colour change yarns, I think, great for socks. Perfect. Anyway, yeah. Because if you don't want to wear the whole full on colour, mm-hmm. for the socks. Yeah, and you've got a lovely like blue sort of turquoisey yeah. blue almost for the toe. Oh yeah. Oh so, yeah. And because Holy Festival is like mainly l- like luminous pink and cream, so the luminous turquoisey blue. In my head, it was the perfect colour. I think it is. I've yeah. seen these socks, um, listeners, in their sort of like partially completed state, mm-hmm. and I can say they look. Awesome. Hey, thanks. Really, really good. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. Some good projects at the moment. There's a big sock fo- focus for this uh, podcast, actually. Mm. And, I mean, yeah, I'm surprised. It's funny because, you know, we talk about knitting, knitting a lot. Mm-hmm. You probably can't tell, you know, but <laughs> so we Someone puts a microphone in front of us in there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I sort of never really thought about the fact that you weren't massively a sock knitter mm. type. That's made my secret shame. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas... I am pretty yeah. into making socks. I like background socks, as I call them. And yeah. the after afterthought, um, you know, the top afterthought socks. They're a good background sock as, mm-hmm. well, the camp and trail socks that I designed for oh, ages ago for issue five. Yeah. <laughs> um, with the big wide stripes. That was like my first afterthought heel mm. designing experience. And I just loved them so much. And I love Juju's pattern for the same mm-hmm. reason. Um, but yeah, I like to make quite plain socks a lot of the time. Yeah. And then occasionally, you know, I'll do the odd, like, 
really, really exciting cable sock. Like, um, I made a pair of Floem by Rachel Coupier a long time ago now. Mm. They were super fun. Mm. Mm. So welcome to the world of socks. Yes, thank you. Wow, it's wonderful. Um, <laughs> yeah, if people, maybe people have views on this. Do you love sock anything? Do you not? And if not, then maybe you should try this introduction. Like, ease yourself in mm-hmm. with this. Yeah, yeah. All right. So news, as we've mentioned, we went to Unravel. Yes, we did. We just got back yesterday, yeah, in fact, last yes, night. Yeah. <laughs> it's still still on our minds, still yeah. in our souls. Yep, I'm still, you know, sort of reaching for people's knitwear as they pass me to <laughs> congratulate them. I think one of the nice... Well, I said about, you know, you get a group of nice people, nice knitters. One of the best conversations we ever heard, we were waiting to do a talk, and someone came up to a lady behind her and was like, so you have... Can I ask you... No, she didn't even put it in the context. She's no. like, can I ask you, are you seamless bottom up? And she was like, actually, I'm top down seamless. And they were like, oh, well. <laughs> I think only in places like that would you get away with such a such a comment. So that was yeah, really nice to hear. Yeah, for sure. That was really fun. And then I saw um, a woman walk past us and I saw her cardigan and it's a cardigan I've been wanting to make for a long time on Ravelry um, called Siri by Linnea Orman. Mm. Not really sure if I'm saying that right. But um, yeah, and I, I sort of grabbed her and was like, oh my God, I love your cardigan. I've been wanting to make it for ages. And I think it was originally in Swedish, the pattern in this um, lovely lady was Swedish and she was saying she'd done it in a knit along. And, and then when I got back and looked again at the pattern on Ravelry, I realised that I'd actually favourited her project at some oh, point in nice. the past. And I was like, oh, I wish I had known that it was your project I'd favourited already. But it was really nice. It was like getting to connect with the Ravelry favourites yeah. in real life. That was oh, great. Oh, that is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and now I want to make it even more. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'd be like, super friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what else happened at Ravel? We had a couple of talks that um, us as a Pom Pom Quarterly slash Pomcast uh, hosted and organised. So we had on Friday um, Anamore Sumbo. Mm-hmm. Um, not any closer to pronouncing her second name any more correctly, but I think Anamore, we're good with that. Yeah. <laughs> and her talk on Spirit of the Ragpile. And she is a very, like, tenacious, probably too hard of a word, but like solid kind of old Norwegian lady who was very cool. <laughs> yeah, she was amazing. She, um, you know, she hung up all these beautiful pieces that she had um, sort of rescued, I guess, mm. from a shoddy mill that she owns or used to own in Norway, where they kind of turn old woolen items, fibres, textiles into shoddy, which is basically sort of fluff, I guess, to be sort of (laughs) turned into new things. Um, And she had kind of, she said she'd found the like hunter inside her and she'd gone kind of Mm. um, adventuring through this rag pile and she hung these amazing things up around and sort of worked her way through them as she did the talk Mm. um, and showed us just all these unbelievable like examples of darning and mending and just sort of these relics and um it was yeah. when she was talking she was sort of t- picking up things she had all this like stuff piled up on a chair and she sort of made so because it's called the spirit of the rag pile and she sort of made the rag pile as she went through the talk and like actually when i met her like a little bit beforehand just to talk and she was like this jumper 100 years old and like threw it down on the ground i was like okay <laughs> you obviously know what you're doing yeah. <laughs> but- <laughs> it was just a second of me, like. <laughs> but yeah, she's like such a kind of, yeah, very like powerful and interesting person, and yeah. has a real, real, really brilliant sense of fun yeah. and kind of intrigue, and she made everyone laugh loads, yeah. which 
I mean, is impressive in a talk of any kind, but doubly impressive, I think, when you're doing a talk in your second language, as she was. Mm. Um, yeah, she made us like really, really giggle, especially there were some very exciting swimsuits. Yeah, the knitted swimsuits. It was really, in, like, historically and technically interesting, like, how the styles changed from men's swimsuits. Like, she's like, here it is, it's quite high back, you know, the men can't show their... Uh, you know, their back. I don't yeah, know which really fascinated yeah. me. It just never occurred to me that men used to not be able to just run around topless. Scandalous. Anyway, they sort of develop <laughs> and you get a couple of years later, cause she sort of found all this like social and textile history within these all these piles of stuff. Um, and they'd be a bit lower and a bit lower. And then there was one which like, and then, and it got to swimming trunks. It was amazing, <laughs> like moss green swimming trunks. And it always had to have a belt because obviously it was wool. Yeah. All the weight <laughs> would just sink down. And she was saying how if you, you know, you were the Norwegian housewife and you saw all the styles from like a, a machine net thing mm-hmm. and you'd come and develop that your own, you get your needles out and make your own. And she had this green pair of swimming trunks and there's someone else's version that was hand knit with like the same little matching pocket and stuff like that. And then she was like, but if you don't have time to knit it, what you do is you get your ski hat. And she had the little ski hat with the pom-pom on. And then she's like, you turn it upside down and you make it in your swimming trunks. And then she's like, but first remove the tassel, <laughs> which is a little pom-pom. So yeah, Excellent. fun was had by all. And then we <laughs> had the great pleasure um, of being able to ask her a few questions afterwards. Mm-hmm. And um, we, t- you know, there were questions from the audience as well. And it was really brilliant. It's really worth checking out her work. And she's got some really fantastic books. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's got a new book coming out as well. Um, we're not sure of the title. Because when she... Tra- yeah, she translated it. <laughs> it's like, this is an approximate, you know, translation, loose translation. It was something like the story of the fluffy sheep and the yarn within that fluff. And it was this really... It exciting. sounded amazing, yeah. but I'm pretty sure trying to Google that wouldn't really get anyone anywhere. So we will update yeah. when we know more. And we also, um, on Sunday, we hosted a talk by Bristol Ivy. Mm-hmm. Um, who More on her later. is wonderful, yes. And again, she was just wonderfully inspiring. Yeah. And her sort of process and how she goes through inspire, you know, how she gets inspired and in her process of sort of designing from that. Mm-hmm. And interesting, like how other designers and she had examples of that, um, the sort of sources, are it more uh, emotional or is it sort of um, literature or art based? Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting how she sort of referred to the lenses that she sees the world, the sees the world through. Um, she comes from an anthropological background, so maybe we'll say more of that. We'll let her say it in yeah. her own words a bit <laughs> later. But yeah, the sort of the way you're influenced and how you view the world, and therefore her designs and knitting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a good festival all round. It was super fun. Um, yeah, so we had a great time. And we are looking forward to being at the Edinburgh Yarn Festival Mm -hmm. in mid-March. So that's some more fun news. We'll be there. And we hope to see some of you, you, many (laughs) of you, all of you there. That would be brilliant. And it's our first time being, you know, doing a show that far outside of London, really. Mm -hmm. But I'm really excited because I've never been to Edinburgh. I've been to Glasgow many, many times. But Edinburgh will be a new and exciting adventure for me. Cool. All right. And you'll be in Paris. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In March. Koopy's latest book, uh, which is Coop Knits Socks Volume 2. Um, it's a really lovely collection of, well, socks, as you probably guessed. <laughs> um, photographed by Jessica Wilde. Really kind of lovely, fresh, 
photography. It's all very mm-hmm. kind of clear and all the colours of the socks quite kind of uh, sweet-like, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good way to describe them, I think, yeah. Uh, so lots of step-by-step tutorials as well of um, Kitchener Stitch and Afterthought Heels um, with also lots of like creative design features. So mm-hmm. you do get your classic plain socks in there, um, but there's lots of cables and sort of twisted lace stitches and stuff. Um, so yeah, have you got any favourites from this book? I certainly do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I like that the plain sock, um, the first pattern in the book is a very simple, you know, what many people call a vanilla sock. Yeah, but this one's sock's called Dave. It's called Dave, <laughs> which makes it a Dave sock. Yeah, because she's like, everyone knows a Dave, so this is your classic everyday yeah. sock. <laughs> which I really like, and I think it's a nice little kind of touch to have. Um, yeah, just your kind of regular beginner sock. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the more aspirational, exciting socks to yeah. go along with it. So. This could be classed as a background sock. It could. It's yeah. a background sock. And you do have Very two good. versions with this. You can do the heel flap and a heel version, you know, afterthought heel version as well. Mm. So that's good. That's good. And then another, I think this is probably a, a favourite of both of ours, mm-hmm. is the Otis. Yes, this has got a great, like, uh, chromatic mixed gradient at the top. Yes. Uh, which is a technical term. <laughs> which is using the Knitting Goddess uh, mini skeins. Um, sort of goes through like a peachy, orangey gradient of the sock. Mm-hmm. Which I think is one of, the, yeah, it's one of the fun, most fun ones, I think. Yeah, and I mean, really, ombre with triangles. Yeah. Can't really go wrong. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> really lovely colour work. So they're really super fun. But um, I'm also a big fan of Phyllis. Mm-hmm which has lovely travelling twisted stitches mm-hmm. um, and has also got the same name as a character I very much like from The American Office. Oh, yes. <laughs> so that helped. But yeah, again, it's got like lovely kind of twisted stitches that kind of travel in lovely kind of diamond wave kind of shapes. Um, yeah, big fan yeah. of those. Big fan of The Office, that's good. Big fan of The Office. Good. Big fan of filler socks. Good Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> no, Netflix should be a thing. Netflix slash Netflix. <laughs> Because it is my Netflix, because yeah. I knit while I watch. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. We should do a, like, a collection that's like um, themed. We should. Netflix. <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. <laughs> um, and within that, okay, so that's great. We're, we're painting that now. Yeah, uh-huh. um, Pending. I think the last one I'd like to mention is the Sydney socks. They've all kind of got names of people, which is nice. Um, which is like a really graphic uh, cable, cable pattern. Yes. One of the features with this is you have two different charts for each sock. Mm-hmm. So the design's actually mirrored mm. rather than just having the same kind of travelling lean on each one. Mm-hmm. Which is a nice little touch. Yeah, that I think Rachel Coopy always said, and I think she said this when we interviewed her, that she doesn't like making the same sock twice. Mm-hmm. And she's also not massively interested in... Or she's interested in symmetry in that you create a sort of mirrored mm-hmm. effect rather yeah, than yeah. both sock socks being identical and it's kind of a feature of a lot of her designs i think it's the same with orville um the kind of zigzag mm-hmm. mirrors rather than being the same on the socks so yeah, yeah and that way you don't get a second sock syndrome ever so yeah that's um rich koopy's koopnik's socks volume two um so yeah check that out for a lovely fresh modern sock patterns i think that's the best way to sum it up Today we're joined by the wonderful Bristol Ivy, um, recording live at the Unravel Festival. Um, Bristol's just finished her talk, and hi. Hi. How's it going? Good. So um, you're here in London, you kind of jumped across on the red eye, there was a bit of 
interesting visa and yes. passport dilemmas. There was, there was some drama with the visa. They uh, would just, based on the weather that we've had in the States, travel, or not travel, shipping has been taking forever. So it took a good long time for um, it to get to them. And then there was mass amounts of drama with getting it back to me. So I, I had a nice Saturday, or I'm sorry, Friday morning um, adventure driving around my neighborhood chasing the mailman who had my passport on the car. So, but he gave it to me and then I hugged him and then I drove to the bus station and went to the airport. (laughs) So, but I'm here and I'm very, very excited to be here. Excellent. And we're glad you're here too. So we've just finished your talk, like I said. So um, tell us a little bit more about what that was about and how you came with the topic and the the plans for that. Um, So the talk that I gave was on knitting outside the box and it's a lot about how different knitting designers find their sources of inspiration, but also how I tend to work as a designer and what I use for manipulating fabric as a designer. So I talked a lot about um, the different places that designers find inspiration, like art and literature and music and history, but then also kind of how you could then take those inspirations and move forward with it. So looking at increases and decreases, looking at short rows, looking at stitch patterns that manipulate fabric, and then how I would use those to kind of move forward with an example design. So one of the things that um, I brought as an example was a picture of kind of wind-shaped snow on my window because it's been very snowy at home. So and how I would break that down in terms of shapes and short rows and increases and how I would create that into a final piece. So what would you describe as your methods for coming to a, to a design then? Oh, goodness. Um, a lot of stubbornness, I guess, would probably be the big thing. I tend to view things, one of the, one of the students at the lecture um, made a very good point that a lot of the work that I do is kind of 2D based and then that's then shaped around and folded around a human body and I think that's pretty accurate is a lot of my stuff tends to be um kind of puzzle piecey so it it fits together in interesting ways so uh it'll start from the center back and move out and or it'll start from the side or it'll start from a shoulder or something well I haven't done a shoulder yet but just give me time um and so that's kind of I, I tend to work more in that direction with just seeing what I can do to create a piece of fabric um, that then will fit in interesting ways. And it, my goal is for it to fit as a garment and to fit as something you would want to wear and not feel like something that you're wearing because it's an avant-garde piece of fabric. You want to wear it because it's a sweater because you're cold. You want to reach for it because you're cold. But I want you to also have fun while you knit it and, and kind of expand your boundaries a little bit as you knit it. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm coming from, I guess. I think it is that dream kind of pattern where you're kind of engaged enough so it's not boring, but then you kind of have that interest that keeps you going. And yeah. then, but being able to wear it, I think, yeah, that's the key kind of, that sums it up really. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's that I want, I want to find that like magic spot where, um, it's the combination of a little interesting, but simple enough that it's approachable and not scary but also something that you will blur in your wardrobe. And that, that, you know, that doesn't always happen. It's a really nice moment when you find something where people actually tick all three of those boxes. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a good goal. It's not necessarily always going to happen, but it's a good goal. So During the uh, talk, you mentioned that you had studied anthropology. Yes. And we discussed this um, at the time. But um, I asked you, and I'm going to ask you again now, <laughs> how was it that you came from anthropology to working in the kind of yarny world that you're working in now? And that was that was um, definitely a big turning point as I went down to New Zealand and worked there for nine months. 
Um, and I was working on sheep farms and fiber farms at the time. So there were, there's a work trade organization called WOOF, which is Willing Workers on Organic Farms or Worldwide Organization of Organic Farmers. No one actually really knows which one's which. <laughs> um, but so it's a work trade organization where you do four to six hours of work a day in exchange for room and board. But it's also a really great way to kind of get, it's not playing on someone else's farm because obviously it's their livelihood and, and you want to be serious about it and they're serious about it. But it's a way to kind of see another side of the knitting industry and another side of the fiber industry and sheep industry. So, so yeah, I was down in New Zealand um, doing that. And at the same time, I was applying for grad school in anthropology to get my master's and potentially PhD in symbolic and cognitive anthropology um, and with a focus on how first world um, cultural identity impacted um, third world cultures when a nonprofit came into view. Because my original goal and my, my thought would be that I would start a fiber nonprofit that went into third world countries and worked with indigenous fiber techniques and fiber structures and fiber art um, and brought it either to a broader audience or preserved it in some manner. And I wanted to make sure it wasn't, you know, patriarchal or <laughs> kind of superhero um, paternalistic in any way. So, so yeah, at the same time as I was in New Zealand working on these sheep farms and really loving what I was doing, like I was working outside every day and I was working on these farms with, um, all of these incredible capable women who often were running the farms by themselves. And it was just kind of, I, I definitely had this, this moment of, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing applying to grad school? Um, and I finished the application because I was like, I might as well just see it if it goes through, um, and I didn't get in and it was great. <laughs> so I got to kind of pursue what I wanted to do. And that meant that I came home and I worked at the local fiber arts gallery and started designing. And then about a year after I came home, I started working for Brooklyn Tweed behind the scenes. And it's just kind of all been, all been going from there. So it's been pretty cool. <laughs> and um, we're asking these questions in a kind of, we're moving back in time. Um, so... <laughs> So a question that we like to ask everyone um, is, how did you learn to knit and who taught you? My mom actually taught me to knit when I was around six, I think. Um, and you, if this were a video, you could see I fidget constantly. Like I'm playing with my fingernails and I'm trying and playing with my coat and I'm trying to make sure it doesn't go on the microphone. Um, but knitting uh, meant that I would sit still. I was homeschooled all the way through and, and reading out loud was part of our curriculum. Uh, so she would read to us and I would fidget and I would buy my nails and I would get up and play with things. And so she taught me to knit so that I would sit down and not go anywhere. Um, but I really, I was not interested in it for most of the rest of my life until I, I just about hit college, um, and went off to university and it just kind of clicked. It was like the right thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I always worry a little bit because I, I've had interests in the past where I've been like really gung ho about it, really into it. And then it's just been done and I've always been worried that that's going to happen with knitting which would be horrible seeing as how I've built my life around it but it really has been sustainable over the last 13 years at this point I've been working in various aspects of it because there's so many different facets to the whole thing and there's so many it satisfies so many different parts of my personality and so many other designers personalities because it's logical it's art it's creative it's it's um working with people, it's teaching, it's research. Like there's just so many different parts of it that, that are sustainable, that are sustaining and, um, wonderful. So yeah, so she taught me, um, and then I ignored it. 
And then she now, um, I owe a lot to her for teaching me that in the first place. So good old moms. Good old moms. Yeah, she's the best. So uh, another part of your talk I'd like to sort of elaborate on is you're describing how you see different designs or how you perceive uh, your inspiration. You kind of have this uh, phrase, the lenses that people see well through. How do you think or how would you describe your certain lenses that allow you to interpret designs? Let's, I mean, that that was all anthropology based. That was all postmodern anthropology where cultures are all perceived individually. There's no way to know how another person perceives the culture, which was a huge kick in the butt when I was studying anthropology. And I was like, why am I doing this then? But it does mean that I now understand kind of how people view things and you see what motifs people continue to use and see what stitch patterns people use. So like, um, I definitely have specific lenses that I look through. So there are certain things that just make sense to me as a designer. There are certain things to make that make sense to other designers that make absolutely no sense to me. We were talking about short rows. I don't really do short rows because I don't, A, I don't enjoy doing them a huge amount and, and B, they're just not in me. They don't, they're, they don't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, but there are certain things like increase and decrease structure or brioche or fisherman's rib or, um, antler cables or garter ribs like that stuff just makes sense to me and so I have to be careful sometimes when I'm doing sub calls or when I'm doing submissions or when I'm doing um when I'm putting designs out that I I break up all of these different motifs because I remember there was one period where I was like I'm gonna have three things with drop stitches coming out at the same time I should maybe not sub this so it's there are just certain things that I just, I know how they work the fabric and I know what they do. And I just really enjoy the way they look and the, what, what they create with fabric. So yeah, I definitely have, have periods in my life where I'm like, I'm just going to do everything in garter rib. It'll be great. And definitely have to break that sometimes. So your own sort of lens of how you see that. I'd be interested to see how, what advice you give people to sort of develop their own lens of how they can interpret Mm. designs and sort of photos what kind of advice would you give with that oh that's a really good question um I mean if they've been knitting for a while they clearly already have preferences so there there are clearly ways that they enjoy knitting and there are things that they enjoy doing so I guess I would encourage them to be in touch with that and to understand um what they enjoy and to really know what they enjoy because that's going to shape how they create fabric so like I was talking about in the talk, I like to do SSKs more than I like to do knit two togethers. So that's a guiding principle. Most of my stuff leans left because I enjoy doing those more. Um, and that you're going to see that in other people's work too. You're going to see their kind of inherent biases towards fabric and biases towards fabric. Haha. Um, <laughs> um, I'm not sure if there's any way to kind of cultivate that though. I'm not sure if there's a way to cultivate being a designer if you aren't already interested in being one. I get that question a lot, actually, as to, like, how do I become a designer? Um, Or how do I work in the knitting industry? And it's like, there's no real way to kind of intentionally do it, I think. You just kind of do it because you have to. You do it because that's how you express yourself creatively, and that's how you um, interpret the inspirations around you. Because I know someone who looked at what inspires me. Like, I know there probably would be people who would look at like the pictures of snow that I was, I was showing or the um, inlay wood floors that I'm looking at now and and trying to think of how to convert that to knitting. And they wouldn't see knitting. They would see something completely different. So it's, it's more, 
I think there's just kind of something in you that that means that this is your medium, this is your art form. Uh, within that, I don't know, just knit as many other people's patterns as you can so that you can see how people do that. Because I know I've found techniques that I love that way is by reading other people's patterns or knitting other people's patterns um, and just being a part of the community and, and keeping your eyes out for inspiring things. All right, I want to go to one of our classic podcast questions, which is what's your spirit animal? I wondered if you were going to ask me this one because I know I've listened to a couple and I was like, oh, shoot. Um, everyone around me would say cat because I'm pretty obsessed with my cat. Um, but I would probably, I, I, I know it's cliche saying this, but I want to say like a sheep or a goat, probably a goat, mm-hmm. honestly, because they're like that, that really awesome combination of irreverent and intelligent and, um, independent that it does all had eyes um, <laughs> that just I, I really connect with that in some way and um they always do their own thing and they're always just kind of getting into trouble and and being inquisitive and I just that's really cool I like that I mean it's, it's weird I'm like yeah I admire goats but I admire goats they're cool <laughs> I really like them but yeah probably in some ways cats as well because mm-hmm. just curling up in a spot of sunshine it's not a bad thing so you could be like um cat goat like that cartoon cat dog oh my god you're totally which which end would we which though but you have two heads don't you because you have cat dog had confusingly yeah Yeah. there were always certain biological things that i didn't understand with cat dog there were many biological things unexplained Yes, yeah, a goat head and a cat head I think would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'd be all right with that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> a co-cat, a co-cat? Yeah. Cat goat <laughs> would be my spirit animal. <laughs> I will mention that I am really tired at this point. Yeah, so things, things are coming out of my mouth and I'm just like, I don't think that's a word. But yeah, cat goat is what I would go with. Awesome. And then the other question that we like to ask people is... Um, have you listened to Desert Island Discs ever? It's Yes, I have. There we go. Yes. So we have the Desert Island yarn question where if you were going to be stranded on a desert island and you have one yarn to knit with, it can come in all the colours, but it's one, one you know, particular fibre and thickness. One ever. Ever in it. Oh. Can I have two? Uh, <laughs> When, when, okay, but if I'm on a desert, there's going to be the stuff that I need during the day because it's warm, and then I'm gonna, there's going to be the stuff I need at night because it's cold. Okay, yeah. So, okay, so <laughs> day would be Quince Company Sparrow, their linen yarn, because I just it's phenomenal. It's probably one of my favorite yarns to work with mm-hmm. because it's just so crisp and clean, and it blocks beautifully, and it softens up amazingly, and it's just there's just something about the tactile feel of it. Cause I'm a woolly girl. Like typically I use a lot of wool yarns, but any chance I get, I'm like, can I use Sparrow again? Please? <laughs> um, and then probably Shibui Pebble would be my other choice because it's this, I don't even know what's in it. It's like, it's wool and cashmere and silk and it's tweedy and it's marly. And it just, it creates this amazing, amazing fabric um, that is soft and cozy and cushy. And again, with the cat thing, like I would just curl up on it. It would make me really happy. And the colors on both of those yarns are also just phenomenal. So yeah, those two. And then maybe holding them double because that would be really yeah, interesting too. Yeah. I'm getting really into, Shibui does a lot with um, holding their yarns double. Yeah. And they, it creates some really, 
really fascinating combinations mm-hmm. and really interesting um, properties to the fabric. So yeah, it'd be, I wonder what would happen if you hold Shibui and linen double. It'd be really cool. Yeah, yeah. I bought some of their yarn when I was um, visiting Megan in Austin, yes. and yeah, they do the thing where they have lots of different kind of thicknesses and kind yeah. of bases and dyed in either complementary or colors that are the, the same so you can hold them double and yeah. do lots of that it's really cool i love what they do mm. i really love what they do i think they do some really interesting work in the industry so yeah, yeah. Oh. those yarns i was gonna say you're allowed to because you're currently you're on two different time zones so oh, yes <laughs> awesome yeah i don't even know what time it is back home it's just <laughs> yeah we're just gonna we're gonna go with i'm here great and then i'll be at back at work to on tuesday morning It'll be awesome so. wow <laughs> <laughs> the flyingest flying visit that know, ever there was i know it was meant to be longer but you know visas happen mm. so <laughs> so what knits can we expect from you in the future oh that's a good one i have a bunch of stuff in the works that i can't talk about right. which is super boring um what do i have going on I don't even know. Um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of stuff that I can't talk about. I did, um, I know I talked about this a little bit at the talk, but I'm hoping to do a collection this fall based on, I just started baking bread. This, um, that was one of my New Year's resolutions because I mainlined the entire last season of the Great British Bake Off <laughs> um, and decided that I really needed to get better at technical baking. So bread was on my list. Meringues are on my list. I need to figure out how to make a sponge because that's not an American thing. Like huh. there were all these different sponges. I was like, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> so that's on my list of things to figure out how to make. Um, but my dad always baked when I grew up. We always had bread on Saturdays and um, we had a wood stove and we would, my brother and I would take our, our weekly baths and we would come down in towels and we would sit in front of the wood stove and we would watch old school Doctor Who on PBS and eat fresh <laughs> bread with butter and honey. So it's just like one of the most homey, homey, um, comforting experiences it, to have fresh baked bread and to now kind of do that for myself. When I started baking myself, it was just like, oh my God, this is like such a feeling of home and such a feeling of comfort. Um, and of course, cause I'm a huge knitting dork, I was like, how can I translate that to knitting? So <laughs> I'm hoping to do kind of a collection of very, um, cozy, wear inside, wear outside, um, cably, textury, neutrally comforty, homey. Like I'm, I've, I've got all the words down yeah. and I've got the sketches down, but it's like, I'm going to have to figure out how to articulate to everyone else what I mean, <laughs> because it is such an emotional feeling and it's such a it's such an emotional feeling for me um, associated with it. And I'm, I hope I'm able to kind of convey that when I do it. But yeah, that's the, uh, that's the, that's the, the big self-published project that I'm going to work on next fall. I think. I think there's that thing with the smell of bread and then the lovely smell of wool. I think there's a good tactile kind of sensory thing there that you can play with. Yeah. Both of them just are just so comforting and homey Mm. and, and yeah, so much a part of my life right now. And I really love that. Uh, so if people want to stay in touch with what you're up to, uh, what's the best place to them to find out about that? Um, I'm horrible at updating my blog, so <laughs> ignore that. Don't go to my blog because, yeah, just don't go to my blog. Um, Instagram and Twitter are probably the best places to catch up with me. I'm Bristol Ivy at both of those places. Um, and then just keep an eye on Ravelry on my designer page because I've definitely got some cool stuff in the works and I'm really excited to share it with everyone. <laughs> so, yeah, good stuff coming. There's stuff coming out later this week that I'm really excited about. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
Yeah. So those are probably the best places to get in touch with me. And then, you know, Pinterest, because we talked about that a lot in terms of inspiration. So if you want to see what I'm probably going to be working on in about six months, go on Pinterest and look at my my textile inspiration board. (laughs) Great. Well, um, I guess it just remains for us to say thank you, Bristol. And that we hope you have a lovely journey home. Thank you. Hopefully there will not be a huge amount of snow on the ground when I get yeah. No, that's a lie. There's going to be a huge amount of snow on the ground. When I get but that's the next knitting pattern there. Yeah, you know, there yeah. we go. Yes, it's just, it's inspiration at this point. To celebrate um, the release of Pom Pom issue 12, mm-hmm. which happens to have two sock patterns in it, which is our first ever double sock issue, <laughs> and to celebrate the uh, very exciting and serious festival of Valentine's Day, <laughs> we had um, a competition which um, you may or may not have seen, probably did see, where we had the hashtag Valentos. Yep. We asked all of you lovely Pom Pom people to show us your Valentos, so your lovely hand knit socks. Um, and we had amazing entries um, and you can see some of those um, on Instagram yeah. and on our Ravelry groups. Um, so, you know, this is a kind of sock theme that's been running all the way through February. And so we thought for Ravelry realness, we would celebrate socks uh, even more. Yep. Because, <laughs> you know, no one's really giving them the love they deserve, <laughs> if we're honest. You know, I'm new to it. I need, I've got a lot of catching up to do with exactly. my appreciation. And um, we had a fantastic Valentos winner who was Ruth Mayer, who had her kitty tube socks. (laughs) Elaborate, please, Sophie. So if you think your cat is looking a bit barefooted, you need to make it some tiny matching socks. Yes. So there's a really brilliant picture of, um, I can only assume they are Ruth's feet Mm -hmm. alongside her cat, and she and her cat are wearing matching socks. (laughs) And it's just, like, maybe my favourite picture I've seen on Ravelry in a long time, because the cat looks thrilled. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so that's got to be a fave to check out. And she's actually got written the pattern for them now. There's a free download within that. So. Yeah. So as Sophie says, if you feel that your cat has cold paws, yeah. <laughs> um, then you can remedy that. Although someone was telling me who was in New York recently, because it's super cold there, every dog they saw that was being walked had little booties on. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think um, animals wearing clothes, you know, in day-to-day life is a lot more common in America as far as I can tell. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I feel like it might be. To America! To America! <laughs> you can let us know, yeah, you okay. stateside um, listeners. <laughs> I think, yeah, mainly dog coats. I think it's mostly what Yeah, dog coats, yeah. but like proper little shoes. I've never seen that here. No, no, no. <laughs> All right. It's not to say it doesn't happen. Yeah. Mm. Right, what else you got? So, um, well, within the socks Ravelry in us, we're allowing mm-hmm. slippers. Um, I'm going to allow slippers. Okay, that's good because. <laughs> The Hearth Slippers by Dana Waller, who's done some lovely uh, pants yes. for Pom Pom. Mm. Um, they're done in their Heirloom Romney, Fancy Tiger Crafts oh, nice. uh, yarn. And they're very kind of solid, chunky, farewell slippers, like really quite long as well. Mm. I suppose that does tread the line of socks versus slippers, but um, it's good. Okay. We'll allow it. Yeah, yeah. Um, another couple of faves of mine were the Swedish Fish Socks 
by Spilly Jane, who this, is well known oh, for her fun colour work. Yeah, she does amazing feral designs. So, I, I mean, I'm already loving it, but tell us more. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, they're socks with fish on them, oh, basically. Okay, right. <laughs> like little sort of goldfish all mm-hmm. over them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're just really, really cute and would be super warm, <laughs> as we all know that Fair Isle keeps keeps you warm with the double fabric. Yeah. Um, and in a sort of aquatic theme, mm-hmm. the other one that I found um, was a pattern called Shark Week by Lisa Grossman. <laughs> I've seen this one. This is which good. <laughs> is basically looks like a shark is eating your foot in the <laughs> nicest possible way. You know, if you thought, shark eating my foot, yeah, it doesn't sound so good. Um, it looks brilliant. Yeah. Stylish. There is a meme which I really like, which is a shark kind of leaping out of the water going, ah, and it says on the text, my problem is, I love too much. <laughs> That's basically this, this sock and what is this shark's doing to your foot. Ties into the Valentos, you know, yeah, yeah. who, who do you love enough to make them a pair of socks? Yeah. You know. Who do you love enough to eat their feet? <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe more like sensible socks, maybe. Hmm. Um. A great pattern by Rachel Atkinson is uh, the Reasons to be Cheerful socks. Oh, I love those ones. Really, like, lovely, pretty lace kind of uh, twisted stitch pattern. Um, named after an Ian Drury and the Blockhead song. Nice. And she has done them in this amazing, like, cheerful... Because the song references yellow socks. Yeah. She's done them in the Uncommon Thread Tough Sock. Um, I think it's Brassica. Mm. Really good yellow. So that's before, like, spring hits its full springingness. Those are the kind of socks you need just to kind of chew up some yellow socks. Definitely. Well, all those socks are reasons to be cheerful, yeah. I would I would say, probably. And that is some seriously real Ravelryness. Because <laughs> Ravelry is what? Fundamental. <laughs> so Lydia, do you like to travel around with your knitting? Do you always have your knitting to hand to do at a spare moment when you're not in your humble abode? Do you mean, do I take my knitting with me when I'm outside of my home yes. in case I might need it? Indeed. Yes. Ah, so... Obviously, the knitting in public is the situation you find yourself in. Mm, mm-hmm. Do you ever have random interactions with the public? The public? Yes. The general public? The general public. Um, I think I have had a few, yes. So yes. this is our new section. We're retiring Colour of the Cast because... We ran out of colours. We ran out of colours. <laughs> but we did talk about doing black and then... We thought, no, no. because it's spring. <laughs> it's spring, yeah. So this is our new feature. We want to hear from you guys about... You're hopefully funny. I don't know, there might be uplifting or interactions that you've had with people when you're out and about with your knitting. Yeah, we want to know your knitting plus travelling equals question mark tales. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you can send those to podcast at pompommag.com mm-hmm. or just tell us about them on our Ravelry group. Either yeah. is fine. I think one interaction which I will borrow from, borrow from a mutual friend of ours, she, was knitting, she knits a lot on trains and she was knitting a sock and the commuter next to her said, what are you, you're knitting, what are you knitting? And she said, a sock. He's completely confused and said, just one? <laughs> and she's like, no, I finished the other one. He was like, oh, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> she's so terrified that she might just make one sock. Yeah. Poor and girl. also I had a really nice conversation with someone on the tube um, and I was knitting something in the round and I had my circular needles and then I dropped one just to kind of change around and she was obviously being very helpful and went oh you dropped it and I was like oh no my friend this is connected it's a church <laughs> don't you worry I remember the when I first learned to um knit on double pointed needles mm-hmm. um I was very pleased with this and I was making a pair of very simple um just like ribbed kind of wrist warmers mm-hmm. and yeah I would think I was at a cafe or something with some friends and somebody was just like what is that voodoo you're doing <laughs> 
can look quite like I don't know intense. Yeah, with all the kind of sticks pointing and yeah. Um, so I thought that was quite funny. And there was one time I was knitting on a on a bus in London on the top deck, and there were a group of sort of boisterous young lads mm-hmm. um, behind me, and one of them sort of leaned over and said, "Oh my God, are you knitting?" And I was like, "Yes, yes, I am." And then as I was getting off the bus, I was like, do you not knit? And they were like, what? I was like, you don't know how to knit? And they were like, no. (laughs) And suddenly seemed to really think about it, you know? So hopefully they all knit now. Yeah. You know, they know the error of their ways. Um, One can only hope. Yep. So this is the kind of thing we're we're looking for. Yes. I'm looking forward to hearing some interesting stories because... I mean, in the kind of you get in the kind of closed circle, where you think, yeah, it's normal to knit everywhere and anywhere. So uh, sometimes it's quite. Sometimes you meet other knitters, though. That's yeah. I think that's, that's one fun. of the nicest things. So yeah, like meeting that nice person at Unravel. Yes. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see where this. I'm excited to see where this feature will go. Yeah. No. You know, people making connections with the people outside of the knitting world. Uh, what happens when the two worlds combine? <laughs> Only time will tell, and you will tell us. So yeah. As I said, get in touch. Okay, and um, right at the end of the podcast, as we are, we have the old fave top three. It's not time to retire top three yet. Because really, you can kind of make top threes of all the things forever. We've had to make a rule that it can't be food and drink for a while, because we could just talk about those for a long yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this time, this sort of ties in with our um, new travelling segment and general theme of travelling slash socks. Mm-hmm. Um, we have top three locations to knit. Places yeah. to knit, locations to knit. I don't know. So within that home I think is obviously mm-hmm. the obvious one. Are we including that? Well, I think we decided that, you know, we could go for a specific location within a home. Mm-hmm. So you can't just say at home, mm-hmm. you know, if you have like a specific kind of nook. Yeah. Um <laughs> where you your knit nook, if you will. Um so you know, you can include knit nooks. <laughs> Do I get on my nook? <laughs> yeah. So um okay. So Sophie, what are your top three so few knitting places. So so few knit spots. Yeah, you will often find me on trains, and I have to be very specific about this. So if I'm in London, not the tube, I've stopped knitting on the tube because it's just too cramped a mm-hmm. lot of the time. Too unpredictable. Too unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I love the tube, but for knitting, no, I will read my book. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so if I'm am on some sort of sort of uh, trainy transport. It will be the DLR, the Docklands Light Railway, which is basically just a fun, really slow roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> Magic Sky Train! Yeah, which will get you from various like points in London. Only a few. But um, if you sit at the front of the DLR, mm. there's like no driver. It mm. is the most magical thing. So if you get to sit at the front of the DLR, you get the biggest uh, window. Also, it's very smooth. So that makes it, you know, top marks on it um, for knitability mm. also the magic roller coaster element of it is highly ranked for me <laughs> <laughs> but if i'm not in london it's usually like a long train journey like mm. out to my folks or like visiting family because mm-hmm. then i love getting snacks for trains mm. and then if you're so if you get a table seat amazing got it all set up there win if not then you have the flippy down thing on the front of the yep. chair 
perfect for pattern holding and snack holding. Yeah, I'm getting quite excited, but I've got a train journey this weekend, so I'm going to see my folks, so I'm looking forward to that. Wow. Get us set up for the train. <laughs> anyway, so number two, top place to knit would be at a knit night. <gasps> Good one. Yeah, I think some of the nicest times I've had knitting has been mm. at a knit night. Um, mainly because, every, well, I hope this happens at other people's knit nights, but the amount of snackage that goes on, awesome. Mm -hmm. We also have a surplus of hummus mostly of the time. Yeah. The knit night that we go to. It's true, it's like optimum snack fest. Yep. Um, also because, yeah, I think knitting for me is the perfect blend of like alone time, but then it's also this great sociability thing. Mm -hmm. So when you get to do that, yeah. And then I think I get a lot of knitting done, especially if I have just a really simple project. So I tend to choose those for yeah. knit nights. Mm -hmm. Then I just kind of speed through like a load of girls to stitch or something like that. So. Yeah, yeah. Because you're not as likely to get like, oh, I'm bored of girls to stitch because you're having fun with your pals. Yeah. And they're telling you gossip and... Learning new skills. Learning new skills. I'm just mainly telling really bad jokes. So. <laughs> we end up having joke tennis where like one person telling the joke and then I'm telling the joke. And just like the really... Like, it's the best kind of tennis if you yeah, ask me. Yeah. It's the only kind of tennis I can play. <laughs> um, but number one would be, obviously, I've got to say like knitting at home because that's great. But the specific situations is when I'm at my parents and I have the dog sat on my feet. Ah. Because dog radiator. Oh, <laughs> you haven't lived until you tried this. And the dog obviously think I'm like, oh, I love you, love you. No, but sit here, sit down here. And it's, ah, <laughs> oh, dog radiator. Great. Then, you know, I'm sorted for like a good while until mm -hmm. she gets up and sort of sees something more interesting. And I have to take her for a walk. And I'm like, oh, you're tired now. I'm just like, what? Great. Dog radiator. <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's the situation that I need to be in. Yeah, well, that sounds lovely. Mm-hmm. All this talk of like fun knitting nooks is making me so like feel really cozy. Yeah. It's getting dark and everything. Yeah. <laughs> um Okay, so my top dark three... outside, it's not like Right, yeah. <laughs> Somebody's just like turning the lights down low. <laughs> um So at number three I have the pub. Mmm. Okay. I really like knitting in pubs. I've had some uh sort of traveling-esque knitting experiences knitting in pubs in the general public mm -hmm. um but i just really like being able to hang out with my friends with a beverage it doesn't even have to be alcoholic yeah. it's just the atmosphere of the pub that i enjoy yes um you know dark wood and sometimes it's a little bit too dark so it has That's to be what i was gonna ask well yeah i mean depends on the pub really there are some quite good ones for knitting in um and it depends what you're making but you know, if you're just making, yeah, like, garter stitch or stocking stitch, then mm -hmm. you can pretty much get away with pubs. Um, and I like the easy access to snacks. Yes. <laughs> it features highly a lot in our life. Yeah. <laughs> and the possibility of a jukebox. I'm a big fan of jukeboxes. Yeah. Um, you know, ha knitting with a half a Guinness and some salt and vinegar crisps yes. and some pals to chat to. Yeah. Or just by myself with a book or just, you know, doing knitting and mm -hmm. that's it. Observing mm -hmm. the people of the town. Um, I like that a lot. So that's place number three. Place number two is also train. Mm -hmm. I can't say I've ever knit on the DLR. I don't think oh I ever have to use it, ever. When you do, it's a treat. <laughs> I think the last time I was on the DLR was probably about ten years ago or something. Okay. And I liked it then, and I'll <laughs> like it next time, but I can't really add that to mine. No, I like, um, again, going from uh, London back to Wales, where my family live. Um, it's a really nice, quite scenic journey mm -hmm. through lots of lovely countryside. Um, yeah, that's the one thing, one thing I want to say again with trains, you get the scenery. You get the beautiful yeah. scenery, um, and yeah, you get to set yourself up with snacks, 
which as we both know is the reason we're we it's what we live for more or less actually we, we came to record this podcast and the, our lovely sound engineer eli had said like right i've got popcorns and pistachio nuts we're like yes yeah, <laughs> um yeah and i really enjoy the kind of combination of scenery and the kind of um background noise that a train makes mm-hmm. i find it quite comforting yeah, yeah. um and there's been a few times where i've made some friends through knitting on trains Aww. which is really nice um but mostly it's just nice because you actually just get to be by yourself and just knit mm-hmm. for a few hours which is a rare treat and yeah. i get to listen to podcasts at yeah. the same time which is not a rare treat i do it all the time but it doesn't <laughs> get old yes <laughs> and number one is also a home area for me yeah um I like to knit in bed. Okay. Uh, I prop myself up in bed and I'll either be listening to a podcast or um, some music or just, you know, maybe even just the radio, the old fashioned radio. Gram. The wireless. <laughs> or Netflix. <laughs> Netflix, yeah. Um, but I have to, you know, I'll, I'll set myself up with a cup of tea mm-hmm. or maybe a glass of wine if oh. I'm feeling cheeky. <laughs> cheeky Vimto. Cheeky Vimto. No. As I had a party time. I had a primary school teacher call it midnight ribena which i think should come back as a euphemism that is excellent or midnight ribena could just be warm ribena yeah. which is delicious yeah. a lovely winter I'm ha- drink i'm happy if I, if I was offered either one yes it's like yes yes and yes <laughs> um but yeah so i would be in bed with my entertainment of whatever form mm-hmm. that might take and then the knitting in bed is good because i'm more likely to be able to do something a bit more complicated mm-hmm. um and it's just a real luxury. Yeah. Feels real good. And sometimes I like, you know, especially put on a pair of hand-knit socks while I'm doing it. <laughs> just complete the look, you know. Yeah, I'm just it's like, this is what you're aiming for. <laughs> you could do it. You could have warm feet. Oh, well, that's lovely. And I hope that's inspired you guys to find your own knitting nooks if you don't have them. Yeah, knit nooks. Knit nooks and maybe cosy up with a podcast. Maybe the pom-pom podcast. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and let us know yeah. if you have any particular knit nooks that yeah. you'd like to share. Um, I suspect there'll be a lot of knit nook crossover. Yeah. Or maybe there's a new place that we don't know, like maybe like outside knitting. We didn't really talk about that, I suppose. Yeah, the UK is not amazing for outside knitting. Yeah. So maybe some of you people who come from places where the sun... Uh, makes more than a brief appearance yeah have you ever knitted on a beach i have okay i've also knitted on a sun lounger in greece and my friends who i was with at the time would not leave me alone about it (laughs) i was like what are you doing how can you even think about warm things i was like well it's going to be cold again at some point yeah yeah such is the practical nature of a knitter yeah yeah and i was knitting i believe socks (laughs) (laughs) well there it happens um so from socks to socks to socks we've we've socked it to you (laughs) And so uh, that probably just about wraps up uh, Pomcast number 10. Yeah, thanks for listening to 10 episodes. Yes, thank you very much. And uh, we hope to hear from you all. Again, you can email us, podcast at pompommag.com, uh, or you can contact us through the Ravelry groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about it, really. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye! Produced by Lydia Gluck and Sophie Scott with help from Eli Block, who created the music for this show. For more Eli related music, go to goodgirlandthebadtimes.com. Big thanks to Megan, the co founder and editor of Pom Pom, and her interviewee, Bristol Ivy. And of course, we'd like to say a big thank you to all your Pom Pom buyers, subscribers, and now listeners. Send any feedback or suggestions to podcast at pompommag.com. 
and don't forget to join our thread on the Pom Pom Ravelry group.